Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. Good stuff. So good to see everybody this morning. So for the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at a, 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 another interesting period in history of God's people in the books of Ezra and Esther and how uh, God's people now have been allowed to go back to the promised land, back to their homeland and rebuild that temple. Um, and they've made some, some serious strides uh, not only in building, but spiritually speaking as well. We see that in the book of Ezra, but they still got a ways to go. There's still a work in progress, as many of us actually are, just being honest, myself included. And so they, they go and they get the, the temple back, and, and the city, though, itself is just a complete disaster. At least their priorities were straight, right? They got the temple built first, but now the city is just... It's a wasteland. And so there's a lot of work that needs to be done, and we'll see, especially on these walls. And so this is kind of the situation at the beginning of Nehemiah's book. Nehemiah is one of my favorite books in the Bible. We've actually preached through it before. But we're going to find ourselves there again this morning. And while Ezra focused on rebuilding that temple, Nehemiah focuses on rebuilding the city and getting everything back in order, specifically these walls and these gates. However, just as Ezra ran into some, well, we'll just call them serious spiritual deficiencies, Nehemiah also runs into some serious spiritual deficiencies. Sinful things going on amongst God's people. And one of the biggest problems that the people were facing was the way that they treated one another. Can you imagine God's people treating one another in an ungodly way? Hard to even picture, isn't it? But that's what was going on. And for so long, these people had been mistreated by the people around them and abused by the nations around them. But now they're actually mistreating one another. And rightfully so, the people began to complain about this. And so Nehemiah decides it's time to, to, to shake things up, as we say this morning. It's time to change the way we do business and get back to treating each other the way that we're supposed to be treating one another. That brings us to Nehemiah chapter 5. We're going to be in the first 13 verses this morning. Let's read the word together in Nehemiah 5. It says, There was widespread outcry from the people and their wives against their Jewish countrymen. Some were saying, We... Our sons and our daughters are numerous. Let us get grain so that we can eat and live. Others were saying, We're mortgaging our fields, vineyards, and homes to get grain during the famine. Still others were saying, We have borrowed money to pay the king's tax on our fields and vineyards. We and our children are just like our countrymen and their children, yet we are subjecting our sons and daughters to slavery. Some of our daughters are already enslaved, but we are powerless because our fields and vineyards belong to others. I became extremely angry when I heard their outcry and these complaints. That is some poor pastor's life verse right there. Verse 7 says, After seriously considering the matter, I accused the nobles and officials, saying to them, Each of you is charging his countrymen interest. So I called a large assembly against them, 
and said, We've done our best to buy back our Jewish countrymen who were sold to foreigners. But now you sell your own countrymen and we have to buy them back. They remained silent and could not say a word. Then I said, What you're doing is not right. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God and not invite the reproach of our foreign enemies? Even I, as well as my brothers and my servants, have been lending them money and grain. Please, let's stop charging this interest. Return their fields, vineyards, olive groves, and houses to them immediately, along with the percentage of the money, grain, new wine, and fresh oil that you've been assessing them. They responded, We will will return these things and require nothing more from them. We will do as you say. So... I summoned the priest and made everyone take an oath to do this. I also shook the folds of my robe and said, May God likewise shake from his house and property everyone who doesn't keep this promise. May he be shaken out and have nothing. And the whole assembly said, Amen. And they praised the Lord. And then the people did just as they promised. So... Long story short, the people display some very serious shortcomings in in this passage of Scripture. And it's very specific. The problems they're dealing with revolve around lending money with great interest and even uh, selling one another into slavery because the people can't pay back this, this great interest and this debt. But the heart of the problems witnessed by Nehemiah right here can really be summarized in, in two what I would call foundational principles. And it's our need to love God and our need to love people. And it, it, it seems so simple. And in our reading plan, we've read so many... I mean, think back where, what all we've read through the law and, and the Old Testament, all these rules and regulations and thou shouts and thou shalt nots and all these different things. And it gets so complicated, right? But when Jesus was asked, what's the most important part of all of this by the people that were supposed to be the the professionals in the law? What did he say? He didn't make up something new. No, he went right back to the heart of God's law. He said, listen, you've got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And the second one is just as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. We'll work on that, church. I promise. Love your neighbor as yourself. If they had truly practiced just those two things, think about it. If God's people had loved God with all their heart and they loved each other as they loved themselves, none of this would be taking place. But they they just didn't get it. They allowed their greed, they allowed their carelessness for God's law and God's commands to destroy people's lives and to destroy the relationship they had with one another. And unfortunately, we often find ourselves today doing the exact same thing. So let's talk about this. It's very foundational, but let's talk about this. Nehemiah addressed, first of all, the need to love people. And so as a Christian this morning, write this down, repeat it. I don't care. Let this get into your head and your heart. I must love people. If I'm a Christian, I must love people. If you claim to be a Christian and you don't love people, or if you have a really hard time loving people, now look, I get it. I know some people are hard to love. But if you have a really hard time just loving people and showing that love for people, then something, something is a foul in your heart and probably your relationship with God. 
And we need to talk about that. Here was the big problem in Nehemiah's day. It wasn't just that the Jews were loaning money and expecting interest. That's natural and that's allowed. But it was that they were loaning money to other Jews at such a high interest rate and they were so greedy about it that the people who were in such desperate situations could never repay it. And so they were literally having to mortgage their properties or put up their families, their sons, their daughters, even their own bodies as collateral for this debt. Can you imagine having to, to say, okay, if I can't pay the debt on my car, I'll, I'll just, you know, Toyota can make me work for free for the next 20 years. That's basically what was happening here, except they were being sold off to other nations. And I think Nehemiah, one of the great things about his leadership was that he genuinely loved his people. And we see this from what we gather, Nehemiah and probably some other nobles, uh, people that had some means, apparently had been buying back their countrymen who had been uh, sold off into slavery to these other Gentile nations around them. Ones that had been uh, you know, dispersed during the exile. And now he comes back and he finds that his own people are still selling each other, not the Gentiles selling the Jews, but the Jews selling the Jews to other nations just as their enemies had done to them in the past. And of course, the law, God's law, prohibited such things from happening. But they didn't care about that. They didn't care because they did not love their fellow countrymen. There was once a poor boy who was trying to pay his way through school, and to do so, he was going from door to door just trying to peddle some things, whatever he could find to sell and, and raise enough money to pay for his education. And one day he, he realized he's down to his last little bit of money and he started to get hungry. And he, he had made the decision in his mind when he's walking up to this next house, he said, I think I'll, I'll not just sell this lady some junk. I think I'll ask her to, if she can help him give him something to eat. And so he walks up to this home and, and she opens the door and they're talking and the only thing he could get the courage to ask her was for a glass of water. And this old lady looks, looks down at this young boy realizing he's hungry and she didn't bring him out a glass of water. She brought him out a glass of milk and it was the greatest thing he'd had you know, all day. And he chugs down this milk and he asks her, he said, ma'am, how much do I owe you for this glass of milk? And she said, you don't owe me anything, honey. My mom taught me that you don't have to pay for, for kindness. He said... He thanked her and he said, Ma'am, you've you not only made me feel better by giving me this milk, but my faith in God is, is boosted today. And he goes on about his way and, and kind of forgets all this. And the, man, the little boy's name was Howard Kelly. Probably a name you never heard of, but many years passed and life went on. And one day that woman gets seriously ill and she goes to her doctor and, and her local doctors weren't able to help her. It was something very, very serious. And so they send her off to the big city and and they, they study what disease she has, and the specialists begin to look at her, and they call in this particular doctor, Dr. Howard Kelly, to examine this woman and to study her case. And so they, he goes in, and he immediately recognizes this is the, the woman that gave me the glass of milk when I was just a young boy in need, just a poor boy. And so he was, needless to say, determined to do his best to help get this woman well. And so it was a struggle, but over time, together, they, they were able to help her overcome her illness. And as anyone who's been through something like that knows, eventually the bills start coming in the mail, right? And so this lady begins to receive a bill, and she was worried that she wouldn't ever be able to pay her medical bill. And she starts looking through the bills, and she looks, and she noticed there's something written out to the side of her bill. It said, Paid in full. With a glass of milk. Dr. Howard Kelly. And I thought about that story and I thought, can you imagine 
Because I think that's how things are supposed to work. Can you imagine if the world operated more like that right there? Can you, can you imagine if, if, if every Christian took that command to love his neighbor as himself that serious? How different things would be if we just cared for one another and, and helped one another without the expectation of being repaid for it in some way. The world would be a completely different place. And folks, let me tell you, the church would be a completely different place as well. The New Testament tells us more than 50 times how we as Christians, as believers, are supposed to treat one another. And we'll talk more about that tonight. But it all starts with this one simple thing, folks. Love. Love one another. Love people. And notice, our ability to love people, is, is, it's, it's rooted in our love for God. And that's the second thing we see here, even in Nehemiah, is that I must not just love people, but I must love God. We say we love God. I'm sure if I ask everybody in this room, do you love God? Of course, preacher, I love God. And I'm sure to an extent we do. But I, 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 I'm sure these people did too. But listen, our love for God is not to be nearly as shallow as our normal concept of love here in the West. It's got to be so much deeper than that. And Nehemiah points out the issues with the people and how they've been taking advantage of one another. And then he brings up this other thing in verse 9. It's a very spiritual thing. He says, shouldn't you not just mistreat people, but shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God? You see, it wasn't just that they were mistreating one another, but their blatant sin demonstrated that they had a serious disrespect for God. They didn't care what God's law said. They didn't care what God's Word said. They were so selfish and so greedy that they were going to totally disregard a holy God and what He has to say about things and do whatever it is that they wanted to do. Think about our, our, our love for God. Jesus said, love Him. The law says, love Him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. But it's not just to love Him with everything in you. That's part of it. But you think about our relationship with God. We love God even in different ways. It's multifaceted, the way that we love God. We love God, for example, as our Heavenly Father. And we can relate to that. But we also love Him as our Lord. We love Him as our Savior. We love Him as our King. We love Him as our sovereign judge. We love Him as our friend, as the Bible says, who's closer than any brother. But we also love Him as our Creator and our Maker, our Designer. And Nehemiah points out that not only are we to love God in the sense that we care about God, and we care about the things that, that please God and displease God, but we also have a reverent fear of God and who He is, knowing that our God is just and He is holy and He is a jealous and avenging God. He's a God who will share His glory with no one. And we walk in that reverent fear of God's holiness. And we love Him. And my fear is that we too have forgotten what that looks like. That we've forgotten, even as Christians, how to walk in the fear of our God. And that far too often we make choices as individuals and as, even as a society. And we live as though God just he doesn't exist. Let alone the fact that He's holy and demands holiness from His people. I think it's most evident as we see here in this story, in the way that we treat one another. And God tells us, again, like I said, so many times in His Word, how we ought to treat one another. Here's just a, a few, just a snidbit. Romans 12, 10, He says, Honor 
one another above yourselves. 1 Corinthians 12, 25, he says, care for one another. Galatians 5, 13, serve one another through love. Colossians 3, 13, forgive one another. Philippians 2, 3, consider others better than yourself. What if we just got that one right, folks? 1 Thessalonians 5.11, encourage one another. James 5.16, pray for one another. So again, show me a man who has a problem with people and a problem with loving people. And, And I'll just be honest, I can probably show you a man that has a problem with loving God and walking with God. If you truly love God, you will take God at His word and be obedient to Him. And I think if you have a strong relationship with God, then you're going to demonstrate your love for God by the way you treat other people. And in doing so, listen, you'll be more like God. Because guess what? Peggy nailed it. God loves you. God loves people. Jesus loves people. God loves us so much that He said, I'm going I'm to allow my son to be beaten and whipped and murdered. For your sake, because I love you. That's the kind of God that we have. So love Him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Can can you honestly say, you're there? Christian, can you say that you love God with all of that this morning? Nehemiah didn't stop there, though. He didn't just tell them what was wrong and how to fix it. He made them take, a, take an oath, man. He really shook some things up. And that's where we find ourselves this morning, is that I need to make a commitment. Write that one down, too. I need to make a commitment. Nehemiah, being a good leader, makes the people now commit, not only in lip service, but makes them take an oath and commit to treating one another the right way and by taking an oath. And he, he does, gives them a little illustration, shakes his robe out, probably dust flying everywhere. And he says, listen, whoever doesn't uh, live this way and follow through with this promise and this oath today, then, then let him be shaken out just like this. Let God shake him right out of his property, right off of his land, just like the dust from my robe. And notice the people's response to this. They weren't upset about making such a vow. The Bible says they actually praised the Lord and did just as they'd promised. I think that's pretty awesome. Likewise, I think we today need these little moments in our walk with God, these little moments in our lives that we can look back later on and we can remember these commitments that we've made to the Lord. That Maybe that moment we had a turning point in our lives and, and a, that moment in life when our walk with God really got got deeper and we, we took that next step, that next step in commitment. I heard a story about a, a country preacher that was trying to, to get this wayward member back in church and get them to be more faithful, more committed. And he goes out and has breakfast with this fellow. And this guy would come, you know, you know what I'm talking about. He'd come to church sometimes, you know, maybe once or once a month or every other month. And he might come to an event every now and then and he was involved in a few things at church, but he just wasn't a committed, faithful church member. The preacher's trying to help him see how he needs to be more committed to the church and to the body. And so they're sitting there eating this, this wonderful country breakfast with pork chops and eggs, and this man's just not getting it. He said, Preacher, you know, I, I come when I, when I feel like it. I, I'm involved in a few things. And he said, it's great to be involved, brother, but you need to be committed to the church. You need to be all in. And it just wasn't clicking. So let me put it this way. Take this breakfast, for example. He said, the chicken, the chicken was involved in this breakfast, gave us these eggs. 
But the pig, now the pig was committed. He gave us these pork chops. Kind of clicked. I feel that the church needs more pigs. And I think I should have thought more about that line before I actually said it. We need some people that are truly committed to the work that God's doing. Committed to the body and the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. We talked about this in the membership class this morning. Do you know how much Jesus loves the church? He gave everything for His bride. And He's coming back for His bride. We need to be committed to His bride. Love one another in spite of our faults and failures. And so my question for you today is, really, where's your point of commitment? And I think for looking across this room, it might look different for some of us than it does the other. Maybe your next step in in being more committed means church membership. Or maybe your next step in commitment means beginning that relationship with Christ and inviting Him to be the Lord and Savior of your life. Maybe you've done that and your next step is committing to baptism this morning. Maybe you just need to be more committed and a better pig, I shouldn't say that, and be more faithful to the church. You know, come more often and be committed to what God's doing through your church. Maybe this morning we need to back up and you need to work on the part about loving people more. Loving God even more than you do. And we've got a lot of opportunities for you to do that through this church to practice loving people. So wherever you are this morning, I encourage you. Ask God what the next step for you looks like. Ask God if you don't know, ask the Holy Spirit to show you, Lord, where can I be more faithful and more committed? Let's stand together as we pray this morning. Father, we thank You that in spite of how complicated some things can be, when we look at all these commands, Lord, we look at Your law and it just seems so cumbersome. We thank You that the Lord made it so easy. He said, love God. Love people. Go and make disciples. And God, I just pray that we could get... (laughs) Just that much right. God, I pray that when we say we love you, Lord, that you show us how to put those words into action as we love those around us. That people can see our love for one another. And it'd be an example, Lord, to them of how you love them. Father, this morning, I pray that you would just show us, Lord, what the next step for each of us looks like. Maybe, it, maybe we need Jesus this morning. We need to be saved. Lord, maybe today there's someone here that needs to be committed to, to being baptized next week. Father, maybe there's someone here that's struggling with a hard heart and needs to know how to love people more. Lord, I pray that you show us that this morning, that we'd surrender whatever it is to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we sing a song of invitation this morning. This altar is open if there's a decision you need to make. Pastor Shane will be down front to, to greet you, to pray with you. And won't you sing as we sing together with us, I Surrender All.
Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville, or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville, on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at Barberville FBC, or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.